Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. Welcome, my friends, to episode 35 of Jock Talk. I hope you are prepared to be entertained and dazzled for the next hour or so as me and Big Joe and the Brick Brig. I have not been drinking, but that didn't come out right. Big Joe and the Big Rig. Uh, <laughs> what up, what up, man? What up? It's all good. <laughs> yeah, hey, no, we, I we mean, ready. I might be loaded on Black Cherry Waterloo, but that's about it. Black Cherry uh, Waterloo. <laughs> I hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. <clears throat> this is usually the time when I remind you that, uh, hey, my Twitter got deleted. So if you're looking for me, I'm at JJT Journalist on Twitter. Uh, that's a long story that we'll have to get into one day. Uh, but yeah, I just woke up. I mean, I showed up one day and it was gone. Uh, hackers will do that to you. Um, this is also the time where I like to tell you we are in the holiday season. So my book, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders and the Making of Men, makes a wonderful Christmas gift. I spent the 2022 season with him at Jackson State. And uh, he's a fascinating person. He's going to get it turned around in Colorado. And my book will tell you exactly how he does that. <coughs> You know, I picked up a little bit of a cold out there at the star, trying to get y'all the most up-to-date Cowboys information. But uh, understand this. Now, this does not apply for people who have colds. But if you're in a situation where you get injured and you're not at home, all right, somebody else's negligence is taking you out. And it could be, you know, medical negligence. It could be a car wreck. It could be anything where you are injured and it's not your fault and it's not at home. I'm telling you, I'm imploring you, give my friends a grinning log phone call. Now, you should have the number punched in your phone because when the emergency hits, you don't need to be looking for it. 972-934-8900. 972-934-8900. All you have to do is punch in that number, talk to a member of the green team, tell them, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? And I'm telling you, if they bring you on as a client, oh, it's been a heck of a day for you. It's been your lucky day because they will walk you through what can be a really long, tedious Sometimes intimidating, scary process. Um, they give you the answers to questions that you didn't even know you were supposed to ask. Uh, if you need doctors, they set up those appointments for you. If you need to see specialists, they'll set those appointments on you. They want you to focus on healing and renewal. Get your body right, get your mind right, get your life right. That's what they want you to focus on. Not all the legal stuff. They take care of that. And so they, to me, are the people you call if you're ever involved in an, in, in an accident where you're injured and it's not your fault. 972-934-8900. Understand, they don't collect the money. Nothing. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Nada. Unless you pay paid. So you don't have to wonder whether they're working hard for you, whether they're grinding for you. They don't get paid unless you get paid. Give them a call. 972-934-8900. And remember, you ain't got to take my word for nothing. You can go look them up at greeninglaw.com, look on their website, listen to the personal testimony, see it for yourself, what they've done in the community. Now, I got to tell you, dog, we just got through watching a heck of a game. The uh, Philadelphia Eagles, the team that will not die. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah. They are the the team that will not die. And, you know, there's something that you got to respect about that, man. You can kick them in the crotch. You can lead them at halftime. You can bloody their nose. You can punch them in the mouth. They're like Dracula, man. They keep getting up. They keep coming. And uh, whether you like them, like my cousin who loves them, he grew up in Philadelphia, he'd probably be sending me a text in the next 30 minutes. Or whether you hate them because you love the Dallas Cowboys, you must respect them. You got to respect their game, man, because they look dead in the water today two or three times. Yeah, yeah. When it was 17-7, it was 17-7. My wife said, the Eagles getting beat like that? I said, don't worry about them. They don't never give up. That was like six six minutes left in the half. And I was like, nah, them them cats always find a way to uh, uh, get scrappy and get back in the game. 
uh, you know, 59-yard field goal. And it wasn't just a 59-yard field goal. It's a 59-yard field goal in a driving rainstorm. I mean, that's uh, that's called making plays at winning time. My, my dad used to talk about that all the time uh, in life and uh, when I was growing up. He's like, you got to deliver at winning time. He said, it doesn't matter what you've done. You know, a lot of times when he was talking to me, he was talking about my grades. He's like, hey, man, uh, especially in college, <laughs> you may not have done what you wanted to, what you should have done, but it's winning time. So you need to deliver on these last couple of assignments. You know, go do what you got to do, but it's all about can you deliver at winning time. And that's uh, that's one of the lessons he taught me. It's one of the things I live by now. One of the things I taught my dude is, uh, as he's been growing up. But, man, what a fantastic football game. Does not help your Dallas Cowboys, though. Uh, Philadelphia, they're going through the gauntlet, man. It started last week. Uh, and it's continued this week, and they just keep finding ways to win football games. Uh, who did they play last week, man? I'm having an old man moment. Uh, oh, they beat the Chiefs last week, 21-17, came back from 17-7. Yeah. Um, and this was the start of their gauntlet, because remember, it started with the Cowboys, and then they played the Chiefs, and then they played the Eagles. They won that one 37-34. They get Philadelphia. I mean, they get San Francisco next week, and then they get Dallas, um, and then you get Seattle, and then they ended up with the Giants, the Cardinals, the Giants. They're going to win those three, you know for sure. Um, I mean, dude, this was supposed to be their roughest stretch where you, they, you, you could expect if you're a Cowboys fan for them to drop a couple, allow you to get back in the NFC East race. And, I, you know, dog, I just can't see them going 15-2. and two. But, man, that's what, I mean, they got a hard one next week with San Francisco. Maybe San Francisco can take care of business. It's a, uh, and it's, then, a, it's a different kind of mentality with Philadelphia, though. Because what do you mean? With the, well, with the Cowboys, it's like we're looking for wins, not only wins, but style points. Oh, that was a boring win, or they could have done this. Hey, Philadelphia won. They, I don't think they, they just care about the Ws because the way Jason Kelsey melted down, you can see where the Cowboys melted down. I mean, you can see a player like that for the Cowboys and the whole team just follow suit. Well, he melted down a little bit with them two false starts. But right. they, but the kicker bailed him out. And they said, all right, right. That, that was that. Let's go win the game. Ain't nobody going to remember that he did that because they just looking for the W. They don't care about the style. They win so ugly that I don't think, you know, they don't win pretty. They win ugly, and it's all good. But, you know, a win a, is a win. But I was going to say, but the, I think the – the difference is that they've beaten the good teams that they played. Yeah. Like, if you look at their schedule, I mean, you're talking about winning. They won. They beat the Patriots by five. Uh-huh. They beat the Vikings by six. They beat the Bucks by 14. They beat the Commanders by three. That's Washington. Yeah. They beat the Rams by nine. Yeah. They, beat, they lost to the Jets, the lowly, raggedy, worthless Jets. They lost to them by six. Yeah. They beat the Dolphins by 14. They beat the Commanders by seven. They beat the Cowboys by five. They beat the Chiefs by four. Right. They beat the Eagles by three. I mean, they beat the Bills by three. They play in these close games. Uh, what do you think of Jalen Hurts today? I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was clutch. I mean, ain't, ain't no other way to put it. He was clutch as hell. That's what I thought about him. Was that? I said he was clutch as hell. That's what I thought about him. He, he he did pretty good today. I mean, he at times he looked a little a little a little gimpy a little bit, and then uh, it was like between plays he was gimpy. But when he took off and run with with no sign of that leg hurting him, so you know I thought he played pretty well. I mean, it's, it's I mean, just the way it, they do things over there. It was a driving rainstorm, but he goes eighteen for thirty one for two hundred yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, ran 14 times for 65 yards and two touchdowns. Scored yep. the game winner. Um, and, again, he's a cat, man, who I think uh, – and they talk about it on their team uh, in terms of being resilient. And that's what they are. And that's what he is. So it doesn't matter if he has a bad play or a bad quarter or a bad half. Uh, he's all about, at winning time, what can I do? Because that's what matters. Yeah, that was my point. They just – they. They win, it's, whether it's ugly, pretty, all of them been ugly. Like you just rattled off them scores, all of that stuff is small. No blowouts, none of that. Just clutch, 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 all of that. 
No. And so the result is that uh, as I take a look at the NFL standings, uh, they are now 10 and 1. Your Dallas Cowboys are 8 and 3. Uh, but the Cowboys just, and Dak has talked about this, they just need to run their race and do their thing. Um, because uh, if, if, if they get a chance to, to, for them to win the East, and that's a very long shot, for them to win the East, to me, they pretty much going to have to win out. <clears throat> uh, and then they're going to, and if doing, by doing so, they have to hope that uh, San Francisco beats Philadelphia next week. They beat Philadelphia. Yeah. They get them three losses. And then, again, they're going to have to win out, which is uh, Buffalo in December, Miami on Christmas Eve, Detroit on uh, December 30th, and then Washington to end the season. Yeah, but what did you say earlier this year? What don't want you, you hope you, you hope the Cardinal game, you were saying, I hope that Cardinal game don't end up kicking the ass at the end of the year. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's interesting uh, because at one level, the answer is yes, it is. At another level, you could say, well, um, the Jets' loss is like the Cardinals' loss. That's a yeah. raggedy, rooty poot team that you yeah. shouldn't lose to. True that. And so the other two losses have been to what? San Francisco and Philly. Oh, uh, okay. And we, and we have to assume for now, for now, those teams are better than them. Uh, now, they can go back and beat San Francisco. If they can beat Philly in a week. You know, we can change our opinion, right? Uh, and say, you know, San Francisco may just had a number, but they don't seem, you know, Philly is a back and forth thing for them. They win one, they, you know, Philly wins one. Uh, so, I mean, there's still a lot of football to be played. Um, and for me, and the reason I said what I said is the Cowboys just need to worry about the Cowboys, Roger. That. Because if the Cowboys are playing their best football, which they have not done in the postseason. But if they just play their best football during the regular season, as I like to say, the wins and losses will take care of themselves if they play the best football. Um, now, Miami is a tough team. Buffalo's tough. Detroit is tough. But what has Philadelphia shown you? If you just play your football, you eliminate mistakes. You can win these games. None of those teams you say are better than Dallas. And you could say none Dallas is not better than those teams. It's just a matter of where they play their best football on that particular day on the road against Miami and Buffalo, where they're not uh, nearly as good as they are at home and figure out a way to win however they win, ugly, pretty, whatever, just get it done. Um, that game, though, Philadelphia and Buffalo also had special meaning to me because uh, most of y'all know who listen regularly that my dad – uh, has been a season ticket bills holder, shoot, since 1987, I think. So that's 30-something years. Uh, well, for his birthday a couple of months ago, my sister, who's a professor at Princeton and is a big-time uh, author and a celebrity in the, uh, in the education realm, uh, she bought him tickets to the Bills-Eagles game. And so her and, her and my dad went to the game today. And, you know, I gave him the speech yesterday, dog. I called him up and said, hey, man, uh, don't wear none of that bill shit to the stadium. I said it just like that. <laughs> he started laughing. He said, no, nah, I'm not going to do that, man. I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm serious, man. Don't just say that. Don't be wearing the bill stuff to the stadium. Philly ain't that really ain't that kind of party. And he said, no, no, no. He said, in my old age. Now, he said it with a laugh. He said, uh. I don't invite trouble. He said, I ain't afraid of trouble. And if you come across that hill, you might not get, you might not be able to go back home. But I try not to invite people to come across that hill. Now, y'all have to know my dad is one step away from a black belt. And has fought in karate tournaments. Uh, he was fighting in tournaments in his 50s. And so, you know, he ain't afraid of nobody, which is good and bad. And he don't really back down from nobody, which is good and bad. But, uh... The uh, so he him and my sister sent me a picture before the game. They had on some rain ponchos. Now they were buffalo blue ponchos, but uh, aside from that, they did not have on their buffalo gear. Uh, now my sister did send a text early on in the game that said, "Dad's fist pumps are gonna get us killed." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Uh, yeah, and then uh, next she sent uh, all capitals overtime laughing because, like I said, it's a torrential downpour out there. 
And then uh, my brother chimed in with, I know dad's not being quiet. And so uh, apparently they were caught up in the game, so that's all I heard. So I'll be happy to talk to them later tonight and hear about their adventures at the link. Uh, but uh, that's why the game was also special to me, because uh, my dad and my sister were there celebrating his uh, birthday and the holiday season. And it, it was uh, good to get updates from them uh, during the game. Hey, Doug, what about them Denver Broncos, man? What's up? Talk to me. I mean, shoot. I think they uh I think they beat the Browns today. Were they six and five now? I'm looking it up. I think they're either five and five or six and five. I think it's six but, and five. Uh the Denver Broncos, where are they, Jacques? The Denver Broncos are six and five. Yeah. And all I can say is you better hand clap Sean Payton. I ain't hand clapping. Come on, I, man. Nah. You still an a hole, man. Okay, that don't mean nothing. It Philadelphia do, it, it Eagles are eight holes. No, he is. Yeah, he is. He is. I wouldn't want to play for him. All right. Well, Sean paid my guy. Okay. And so I'm impressed that he took a team that looked like they was done for, uh, had one of the biggest embarrassments, embarrassments in NFL history. Yeah. And uh, figured out a way how to resurrect that team. And get them to uh, stop feeling sorry for themselves, get over the embarrassment of having 70 points hung on them, and they have now won uh, five straight. And they beat some good teams in the process. Um, they beat uh, – I mean, because this, this winning streak started off uh, with a, a two-point win over the Broncos, and then they beat the Chiefs 24-9. Then they went to Buffalo and won 24-22. They beat the Vikings, who had won five straight, 21-20. And then they beat the Browns. Now, the Browns were handicapped because they, they down to their third quarterback again. Uh, beat them 29-12 today to go 6-5. and five. But, like I said, when you lose 70-20 to 20 and you're the laughing stock of the National Football League, um, to come back and get your team in playoff hunt, that says a lot about you as a coach. That's just one man's opinion. It is. Uh, <laughs> One man's opinion, because when you start talking noise about the defense coordinator and you're out in the quarterback for no reason, I could go on and on about the stupid stuff he done done this year. And them guys was like one a couple of plays away from jumping his ass and quitting the whole thing. But yeah, they get but he, they get paid for that thing, so they're going to stay in there. But, but if, they whatever. figured out a way to get it done, and, right. and it got done. Yeah, uh, The New England Patriots, they're done. Uh, I mean, they've yeah. been done, yeah. but – Two and nine, when you lose to the lowly Giants and Danny DeVito at quarterback, there ain't too much more you can say. That boy name ain't Danny DeVito. <laughs> that's all, that's yeah. all I could that's all I could come up with, man. Yeah. And I don't mind Bill Belichick losing because he's been so smug and arrogant. Uh, you know, I, you know, I feel somewhat about him the way you just felt about Sean Payton. So I don't mind him getting his ass kicked. And uh, in my opinion, he he ruined and wrecked Mac Jones. Now, I don't know how good Mac Jones was going to be, but that year where he gave him Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as the offensive coordinator, yeah. you, you ruined that dude, man. Yeah. You just wrecked him. You ruined him. You, I mean, he ain't never – I mean, he plays with no confidence now. And if you saw any of the highlights today where he was just throwing a ball, I mean, dude, it looked like me out there playing quarterback. Like, he had no clue what to do at all. He was benched at halftime, and I don't think he'll ever play for the Patriots again. Matt does stupid uh, stuff anyway. He does stupid stuff anyway. Yeah, he well, I shouldn't say that. Because um, I think I – th- and I ain't breaking no news here. I think Belichick will be fired at, or he'll be – he won't be the coach next year. And so a new coach may come in and, and with a new set of eyes be able to save Mac Jones. But, uh, dog, real talk, man. I don't know that they're going to win more than – I mean, I don't know who they're going to beat. They got the Chargers. They got the Steelers. They got the Chiefs. They got the the Broncos. They got the Bills. And then they got the Jets. Maybe they can get the Jets the last game. My problem is they're not – maybe they can beat the Steelers 13-10 to 10 or something. But these other games, their quarterback play is so bad, I don't know that they can generate enough offense to win any of these games. So it looked to me like the New England Patriots going 3-14 and 14 or 2-15. and 15. And then a new coach will come in 
with a uh, opportunity to draft one, you know, one of the top quarterbacks out there and see if they can rebuild it again. But the uh, the Patriots look like they're going two and fifteen to me, bro. Um, that's uh, let me see. Is there anything else I want to say about the NFL today? Because it, it was a uh, I got to tell you, man, without Dallas and without uh, San Francisco playing, it was kind of light in the uh, on the NFL schedule today. That noon slate of games was not the most exciting games ever, I must admit to you. Yeah. All right, man. I, You know, I keep it real with y'all. Let's move on to college football, them cheating-ass Wolverines. Uh, now, let me say this. I had a good time at the game. Because I, I talked to my boy uh, Clarence E. Hill Jr. The E stands for everything, I believe. Uh, agree with I, everything. Every day you agree. <laughs> with, every day you 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 get something different. How about that? Yeah, uh, we were talking last night after the during uh, the Washington State game and the Oklahoma State game, and I was like, "Dude, this has been a great day for college football, even though my team lost." It's been a great day for college football. Now, if we talk about the Buckeyes game, uh, you know, I was thinking about this during the game. I had a great time. My son came over wearing his Ohio State gear. I didn't have to tell him to. He just showed up in it. Uh, We watched the game. I had uh, some steak and some salmon and some uh, pasta, some mashed potatoes and some steamed broccoli. So we feasted like kings while we watched the game. And uh, it was a great game, man. It sucks that we lost, but it was a great game. Uh, I wish we had done a few things differently. I wish we had played with – I thought we played scared or conservative and uh, that Michigan played to win, and I think that was the difference. I mean, even on that last drive where we need a stop to get the ball back, at some point I'm looking at my dude like, dog. They just running the ball. At some point, you got to run blitz and drop them for a loss or hit them at the line of scrimmage. But this, I mean, just playing your base defense is not getting it done. So I was a little disappointed by that. But overall, man, I mean, it's number two, it's number three, it's on the road. You know damn well your quarterback is just a tick above average. Yep. It is what it is, man. It's a great game, and we lost. I was going to say that. I was going to say this is the first time y'all didn't have a first-round talent at quarterback. And how many years is that? Uh, Me and my dude were talking about this a few weeks ago, and I looked it up, man. We haven't had a what I would term an average quarterback, real talk, in about 15 years. Yep. That's real talk. Like, we've asked – I'm not saying they were all great, but, like, even a guy like JT Barrett was not average. He was above average. He was a good player. Oh, he was a great college quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I would college tell, quarterback. I, not a first. That's round, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he was a, I would call him a really good Cardell, player. Cardell Jones too. He showed up for a year, and all he did was take you to the national championship. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, so you're when, right. It probably goes back further than 15 years. You go back to Braxton Miller. I mean, Braxton Miller. I mean, like I said, really the well, the point of it is, I couldn't remember the last time we had an average quarterback. Craig, like really, Craig Crenson. And he took us to the national championship. But even if you even it was probably somebody during that six and five year with Luke Fickle, a six and seven year. Yeah. But I can't even remember who that was. No. Because it's been good ever since then. Yeah. Because the first thing Urban Meyer did was fix the quarterback position. Yeah. And once he did it, he stacked it and then Ryan Day has been phenomenal at it. Yeah. And so um it's about the quarterback. And uh, we didn't get good quarterback play, and so we lost. And that's why uh my feelings had been <clears throat> I've seen enough Ohio State football to know when they got a real championship caliber team. And I never thought that this was a championship caliber team because of the quarterback play. And so my emotional investment at a championship level was like, yeah, it's not really going to happen this year. And so uh, that don't mean this loss was any less disappointing because it was there to be won. And like I said, it was a great college football game, man. Uh, like, I mean, I really can't say anything other than that. It was a great game. We just happened to lose it. Which is uh, disappointing, but you know, I'm, I'm gonna say this to my Buckeye people, man. Y'all need to quit tripping. Ryan Day, somebody put this up on Twitter today, man. Ryan Day has lost seven games, I think, in five years. Every one of those games has been to a top ten opponent 
or an opponent in the playoffs. Like, you know, perfection in, in winning championships is not, a, you're not entitled to that. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen every year. And people act like we're supposed to do it and it's supposed to be this and that. And it can get worse. Ask Oklahoma, ask Texas, ask USC, ask Michigan, whose ass we kicked 16 out of 17 years. It can get worse, man, than going 11 and 1 and losing on the road to the number three team in the country. So get a grip. Yeah, right? yeah, but, but, but they don't call Michigan. The Michigan, they don't call Oklahoma the Oklahoma. They call Gus Johnson say this the world famous Ohio State Buckeye, the Ohio State University. See, you, you, you do all of that, and then you gonna it you're is gonna feel a certain, but you are gonna feel a certain way. So you can't act a certain way and then crush them because they they won't be. I mean, put it like this. I mean, kinda, you gotta have some fucking perspective. Well, I do, but I'm saying... I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about the Buckeye fans. I'm, I, I agree with you, but what I'm saying is... You can't is, be, you can't be delusional is, like A&M's fans. Oh, see, there you go. They don't have nothing to do with A&M. We talking about the Buckeye. All right. I, there you go with that shit. See, the A&M and A&M. Hey, y'all, that's the most... That is the biggest rivalry in college sports. And you want right. you want to win that that the disappointment <laughs> to win that you can't people gonna have knee jerk reactions they gonna know, have man. crazy stuff like that so you are gonna chastise you can't talk you can't walk the walk and strut around like the Ohio State University and then expect people not to be disappointed and talk shit about you the can coach. be dis- you can be disappointed it's just oh, okay. uh, I mean I mean Maurice Claret is the poster child for it two hours before the game he on Twitter we ride with Ryan Day. Three hours later, get Ryan Day out of here. He can't coach worth a damn. Uh, like, you, come on, man. You said Maurice Claret. All right. <laughs> All right, man. I mean, that's, uh, that's, you know, look at the source, dog. Really? Yeah, I know, man. All right. But uh, the the rest of college football yesterday was uh, was highly, uh, was just as intriguing. It was a great day. Uh, you know, I was uh, Alabama-Auburn. What a game. Auburn. I don't know how they. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how they found a way to lose that game, but they did. Uh, it was phenomenal, man. I thought. I, I thought. I really thought. When the dude dropped the punt with four minutes left, I said, "Oh, I guess Alabama finna go in here, score a touchdown, and win this game." But then when it's fourth and thirty, and I'm like, "Oh, Auburn got it bailed out. They're gonna win it. How wild is this? The college football playoff is gonna be a mess now that Alabama's out." And then, this is my big problem with it. I'm not saying you need to go zero blitz. I'm not saying that. I don't think your boy is going to run 30 yards for a touchdown in that situation. I'm putting some pressure on him to make him get rid of the ball. They they really didn't even rush. The three guys they had didn't really rush. They let him sit back there for 10 Mississippi, man. And finally, somebody got open. It was one player... That, that screwed it up. He turned his back to the he turned his back to the quarterback. That's the reason you play zone is is, is to face the quarterback, especially a running quarterback. He turned his back to the quarterback, and Milrose ain't thrown a pass like he has not consistently thrown a pass like that his whole career. So it was a combination of them not rushing, and that boy don't ever really throw good against zone. And the, and the defender turned his back on the quarterback. You dummy. <laughs> and, gave, and he gave it all up right there. That's what I, that's what I saw. I, I I don't mind the call. I just mind the execution. And sometimes it's down to the one guy turned his back, and they gave well, it up. A lot of people didn't like the call, but what I saw was that one cat. You know, you can, nah, that's yeah. why you play zone like that in the end zone, so you yeah. can see the quarterback whether he run or throw your way. That's how you do it. It was, uh, it was amazing. And Washington, was Washington State was a great game. Uh, Washington State was ranked as high as like 17, 18, 16 earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, so they can do some damage. Washington played down a little bit, I think, and Washington State played up a little bit. Ask Colorado then, about Washington State. Hey, no, Colorado. I mean, yeah. Colorado, I mean, Washington State ran through them. Yeah. Um, and then 
you had Florida was destroying Florida State. And then the dude spit on them. <laughs> Defensive line is up 12 nothing. They killing them. Destroying them. They can't do nothing. And then that dude took a big slobber spit and got kicked out the game. And Florida State just whooped their ass right after that. Beat them 24-3 right after that. Won the game 24-15. Um, you know, even Georgia had some problems yesterday uh, with Georgia Tech uh, before beating them. 31-23. So it was a great day for college football, man. Yeah. It was just a great day. Robbery, it was man. everything. Yeah, man, man. It lived up to the billing. It was everything I love about college football. For sure. All the emotions, all the angst, all the pain. Because uh, after the game, <clears throat> me and my son went and played some pool. We were both sitting around. Every About every 10 minutes, one of us would just say, damn, how we lose that game, man. Because uh, it hurts you when you lose, when, you, when you're emotionally invested. So I feel what you Cowboys fans feel. 16 games out the week. I just feel it once or twice a year because at Ohio State, you only have one or two games, which is why everybody's mad about this Michigan game because you only got a couple of them that you got to win. This year it was three of them. Notre Dame, Penn State, and Michigan. I mean, it's what, like three three years in a row? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's bullshit. It was a good game, though. That's all yeah. I can say. It was pretty good. No, it was a great game. Well, the uh, scenery, where Michigan walked out the tunnel. It's all good. It's just it's just a great game. Yeah, I mean, I can't game. say nothing about it. I wasn't going to miss it. No, me either. Not at all. Well, that wraps up our college football discussion, man. Let's move on. And we, uh, we're moving a little quickly today because I got to do some TV work tonight. Uh, but don't think we forgot about y'all, man. We got the four plays to shape the Cowboys' victory over Washington. I mean, it seemed like four years ago, but it was really just a few days ago. Well, your Dallas Cowboys showed up big. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to say, man. What do you say about it when Philadelphia squeaks by Washington twice and Dallas beat them 45-10? You could say one thing, but then I would say the game was only 20-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter or 17-10 going into the fourth quarter. 20-10 uh, to 10 going into the fourth quarter. And then the Cowboys put one of them basketball runs like they known to do. And next thing you know, it's a blowout. But uh, as I tell y'all every week, it's one of my favorite things to do. Big join the Big Rig now is one of his favorite things to do now. And it's that time. Four plays that shaped the Cowboys. 45-10 win over the Washington Commanders. And now it's time, once again, for my favorite part. Four plays to shape the game. And it's, uh, it's all about the uh, – and for those of you new to the show, you know, I like this because, like, there's 125 plays in the Cowboys' 45-10 win over the Washington Commanders. But if we go back and think about it, there's always four or five plays that are the difference between winning and losing. And so we'd like to go back and examine those plays and see how they set up and how they shaped the game and how they led to a Cowboys dub. Now, this game, <clears throat> you know, I think the Cowboys favored by almost 10. We expected a blowout, especially the way they've been blowing out bad teams. Washington is not a good team. Yet here we are, almost near the end of the first quarter, and the Cowboys ain't scored yet. And so I'm sitting here thinking, all right, is this going to be one of them games that's going to end up more difficult than it's supposed to be? And so finally – the uh, the Cowboys get started a little bit. Uh, Dak Prescott goes down the middle of the field. 35 yards to Jake Ferguson. Big play, big play. And uh, they're finally moving the ball. And then we get to a situation, man. And it's uh, first, uh, let me see. It's uh, first and 10 from the Washington 29. Tony Pollard has just ripped off a really nice 14-yard run. And then this happens. So they got out of the second and 25, and here they're going to dump it off. Complete to Pollard. One wiggle, and he picks up about six. The ball came out at the end. So a cowboy jump in there at the end, and it's second down. Stays with Dallas. Yeah, dog. Uh, you know, NFL players, it started, I don't know if it started with Peanut Tillman, the Peanut Tillman punch. But NFL players have gotten really, really good at knocking the ball out of people's hands. 
And so Tony Pollard catches his pass in the flat. He's made a nice little move. And then he fumbles, dog. And uh, City Lamb, being very alert, falls on it because at that point of the game, I could tell you exactly what I'd have tweeted out if Washington had recovered that fumble. I'd be like, it's got about to be 0-0 heading into the second quarter. Cowboys have just committed a turnover. This is the exact recipe teams use to, uh, to pull upsets. Instead, they recover the ball, thanks to alert play by uh, CeeDee Lamb. And then uh, two plays later, Dak Prescott throws a screen pass to Rico Dottle. It's perfectly executed behind blocks from uh, Terrence Steele and Tyler Biotis and Jake Ferguson, and Dallas is up 7 nothing. And so at that point, uh, you know, now they finally got it moving, man. So Washington answers with a field goal. Dallas uh, gets a big touchdown to your man, the Archer. Hey, did you see him pull the Archer this time? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did it. He and did, did you he see did that Archer. route that he ran? Yeah. I will tell you. Uh, but I, I'm, Hold on. I wanted to go back to the play before because you moved forward so fast. Um, that was one of, of six passes Tony, Tony, Tony Pollard caught. And that was not a check down, but it was a swing pass. But the other one was check down. And that's just right. that's just the progression for Dak. That he wasn't trying to be too greedy. I just wanted to point that out. He just he it seemed like he done stopped hunting the big play. No, I think I think um I think that's all true. Um and I think that's all part of the evolution of this offense is hey, let me get the ball to the running backs real quickly and uh you know, let me use my legs and let me do all of that stuff. Um, and, and and it's all working. I mean, the offense looks a hell of a lot different than it did early in the year. And it's just kind of the evolution of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's uh, – I think all that you said is true because I think he ended up with uh, – I think you just said it, six passes. I don't know that he's had that many this year. And them four or five yards, that's as good as a handoff, man. Roger that. It's just, it's just getting the ball in his hands. Yep. Uh, and as long as they do that, he's a playmaker. But uh, I was going to tell you about that route that he ran – because he did, he ran the post corner, but he turned his whole head to really sell that post till he hit the corner, and it was a it was a beautiful thing to see. And then he did the archer pretty quick. Yeah, he did. Hey man, do you know who else has been doing the archer? Who was that? Marvin Harrison. I saw him do it when he scored yesterday. Oh, Junior. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, Junior. Yeah. Uh, so, so as we move on to uh, play number two. We're in the second quarter. It's 17, it's uh, 14 10. And again, I'm like, this game is closer than it should be. It feels like Dallas should be blowing them out. Yet it's 14 to 10. And so once again, they get the ball with, 120, with 151 left in the first half. And what you hear people talk about all the time is what, dog? You need a drive starter. And so uh, they get an offsides penalty. Then they get a short pass to Brandon Cooks for eight. But it's second and ten from the Dallas thirty-eight when this happens. Get away from you in a hurry. Yeah, double up. There's Dak. Flips it. Caught on the rebound. How about that? Brooks ends up with it. It was intended for Tolbert. Dallas is in business on the Washington side of the 50. Dak does a good job extending the play, and right here tries to give him a chance. The ball's underthrown, but perfectly underthrown, so it can go off the helmet right into the hands of Brooks, who was ready. Picked up 24. Was that a wild play or what, bro? Yeah. Yeah, it was. They always find, the Cowboys always find somebody who can play wide receiver for them. Uh yeah, that's why Michael Michael Gallup ain't gonna be here next year. Yeah, uh, for real. Uh, and Brooks is a big guy, six two, two hundred five, went to South Carolina. But if you notice, he started to show up a little bit lately. Just like who Jalen Tobert is showing up a little bit lately. Yeah, both of them are taking snaps away from Michael Gallup. And guess what? You haven't missed Michael Gallup, and uh, you can what you can expect that to continue the rest of this the rest of the season well, as eight, they get those 18, guys. Eighteen has earned the trust of Dak definitely. Uh, yeah, because he, uh, he followed this up with a 31-yard catch. It was kind of sliding along the sideline. Oh, it was tight, yeah. Yeah, very nice play. And that led, that led to Tony Pollard's seven-yard touchdown run. And all of a sudden, it's 20-10 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter. I mean, heading into uh, halftime. And finally, 
you can breathe a little easier just because you're like, okay, finally Dallas feels like they got control of the game and they get the ball to start the second half. Um, so, well, they made a move in the third quarter, uh, scoreless, but the Cowboys, to me, seemed like they were starting to mount a And so they got the ball, and they're moving into the fourth quarter. Uh, they finally got a little momentum going, finally got a drive going. And uh, as I like to say, man, they take a, a 23-10 lead on a field goal. 52-yard field goal by Brandon Aubrey is good. Now is what I like to say is what, man? It's that time Bill Parcells talks about, hey, it's time for y'all to separate. Well, it's 23-10. It's still a ball game. If Washington scores on this possession, it's gonna be a one possession. It's gonna be a one possession game, midway through the third, midway through the fourth quarter. So, as you would expect, Michael Parsons, by the time for him to make an appearance, here's what he does. Years to go, first and ten. Oh my goodness, that is tough. What a double whammy. That's Parsons. Parsons finally able to get to him, and Fowler also. Dude, sometimes third down sacks are great because they end drives. You know what you can also do? You can end a drive with a first down sack. That's what he did because now it's second to 17. Uh, Michael Parsons mad uh, because uh, he's been getting double and triple team. Uh, Morning News came out with an article that said he got held at least five times if it wasn't called. I mean, you can really write that article every week. I don't know about that. But uh, he set the tone on that drive with the sack. Because there was an incompletion on second down. And then uh, uh, Jonathan Hankins, my Buckeye brother, got a sack on third down. He almost on, got uh, one. He almost got one on that play. Yeah. Because he, he went around like, He went around to the left. Micah missed him the first time. And Hankins flew by him, and then Micah got him the second time. <laughs> he almost got three. How about that? That's crazy. Because then he had no. two sacks. He had two sacks. I think he got credited for one and a half. Well, oh, Hankins got two. That's right. Uh, almost, Micah got one and a half. Yeah, well, Hankins almost had three. On that play, he went to the left. Yeah, because Micah missed him the first time, and then he spun 76 around, and Micah, Micah did a U-turn and got the sack. That's crazy, man. That's crazy. Yeah. It, was, it was a great play. Uh, but that's what happened when the Cowboys can activate their pass rush. Uh, they did that by setting the tone on first down, uh, forcing Washington to go for it, fourth and one at their own 34 Hankins ends the drive with a sack. Uh, Dallas comes back, takes advantage of that short field. CeeDee Lamb gets his touchdown, and now it's a blowout. Now it's 31-10. Uh, in a matter of about two minutes, they didn't put together this kind of uh, explosion. Yeah. And that's what they do, man. They put these basketball runs together, which is incredible. Yeah, it was. Uh, and then uh, Washington uh, has to go for it on fourth down. The next possession, they don't get it. Cowboys strike again. You know, as we talk about Turp, what are we talking about? We talked about Tolbert. We talked about Brooks. You notice they're getting Turpin involved in the offense, too. Yeah. He's not just a gadget guy. They're getting him involved in the offense. He hits him for a 34-yard touchdown. Now it's a complete blowout. And it's only one thing anybody wants to know, man. And it happens right here. Second and ten. for Howell. I feel bad for the quarterbacks always, but wow, he has great instincts. He Man. Dude, I had a, I was putting a fork full of turkey in my mouth. Turkey breast, because I like white meat, not dark meat. And I put a, I had a little cranberry on the fork with me. I was literally putting it up in my mouth when I heard Nance say that, and I looked up and I go, I know that ain't bland. I was talking to my nephew. I was like, I know that ain't bland. I know that ain't bland. And uh, I was like, look at this boy. And then, if you like me, he got to about the 15. And I was like, oh, well, damn, he ain't going to score. And damn, if that dude didn't do a couple of moop boop moves and get in the end zone. I was like, that's a hell of a run back. What kind of moves is that? Whoop whoop moves. Oh, okay. Because, you know, when you do the stiff arm, it's a get off me punk move. This is more like slide to the side move. 
So, I mean, it was nifty, though. It was nifty. I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't, there was, when he got to the 15, I literally thought there's no way he can get to the end zone because those guys were in his way. They kind of had the angle on him, and I was just shocked he got there. What about you? Oh, yeah, it was all good. It's, 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 it's one of them things where as soon as he break on the ball, it's like he gone. It's like uh, when you watch him and Michael Parsons play, you can tell they used to play offense. Right. You know, because Michael hit the whole the gaps in those uh, pass rush like a damn running back. And when your boy gets the ball, it looked like he played a little tailback or receiver too, the way he catch the ball and run. But like you said, that little shake he showed at the end of the run was tight. Yeah. Now, he was a uh, high school receiver. And, you know, he ran track in college. There you go. So, well, I don't know if you know that, but, yeah, he was no, a track I didn't guy know. in college. I didn't know none of that. But, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can kind of tell when guys play both ways. Uh, no, because, you know, and he's uh, – I'm telling you, man, he's – like, you know, the interesting thing is this is just like uh, to me – and I, this is no hate, no shade at all, so don't take it like that. This is to me like when uh, uh, Diggs had 11 picks. Like, this is a phenomenal year. There's a reason why they say this is a career year because the odds are Diggs will never have 11 picks again or anywhere close to that. And, and here's why. When you get a certain danger level to you, people could just quit throwing to you at the level that allows you to get 11 picks in a year. That's why Dion ended up with like 50-something picks because at a certain point people were like, I'm not going to throw over there to that dude. I'll go the other way. And you don't get but three or four balls thrown your way every game. It's just hard to get them. And so the things that have to go right for you to get interception returns, one in a year or one in a career, one and two in a career, is insane. So to have five, don't forget, man, this record really was established in 1971. That's like 52 years ago. Now, it was tied in 74, and it was tied again in 93 with four. And even that was 30 years ago. This record of five in one season, dog? That's going to last for a minute, man. That's going to last for a minute. Um, the only reason it may go just a smidgen less than 30 or 40 years is why? The game has shifted more and more and more and more and more to passing. And so teams are throwing it so much that you may have more opportunities. But, uh, again, uh, I mean, it's phenomenal what he's done. His history is record-breaking. It's, it's really – there's really no words for it. I mean, this ain't like Emmitt's rushing record where it was a long, sustained thing. This is what this is more just a one-season phenomenal phenomenon. It's why Eric Dickerson has said multiple times, uh, and he said it to me. Uh, we were just having a chat uh, that his favorite record he has is the rookie rushing record because you get one crack at it. You got to come in balling. Was that like eighteen eighteen or something? Eighteen oh three. Like 18.05. Yeah. Uh, but you only get one crack at it, and that's why he loves it so much. And that thing been around almost 40 years now, man. Yeah. Um, so, it's, uh, so, I mean, it's, it's just crazy when you watch this, uh, this, uh, this history being made, and you see, uh, and you see, because he's not a big dude. He, not, he don't look like no football player, but he out there balling, man. Well, one of them, one of them guys going to have to get thrown at. When Diggs come back, it's going to be interesting. You know what I'm saying? To see who get to rack up the interceptions because both of them, both of them are ball hawks. So no, nah, that's uh that's very good. That's very, very true. Yeah. And, um, you know, they're going to draft, I believe they're going to draft another one in the first or second round next year. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't think Gilmore will be back as a uh, veteran. He's a free agent at the end of the year. That's uh, a young man's game. And he played a really good game the other day. Uh, Eric Dixon, as a rookie, 390 carries, 1,808 yards, 18 touchdowns. Yeah, I was close. Yeah, we both were in the neighborhood. But, uh, no, so uh, it's uh, it's just phenomenal, man, phenomenal. So y'all appreciate um, Deron Bland. I don't know that we'll ever see this again anytime soon in my lifetime. I don't know. Uh Maybe so, but it'll be 30, another 30, 40, 50 years before you see somebody with this many picks. And because he's in the zone, dog, I'm not going to be shocked if he get another one this year. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. I mean, just <clears throat> I'm just not going to be shocked. Uh, especially, you know, a lot of this, if I'm not mistaken, I haven't done all the work, all the research, is because of the way they play. They've been getting leads. You've been People have been forced to throw. 
and you can sit on routes a little bit. But it's not like he been he been jumping them. He just wait for the opportune opportunity, uh, and then make his move. Because let's keep it real, he had ten tackles the other day, which is an indication he was giving up some catches. It, I don't think it was one of his better games. I just think he made that play at the end. Um, I tell you what, it did do for him. It did bring him a certain level of uh, hype and fame because he did it on Thanksgiving Day when the world was watching, all the NFL was watching. And that's the kind of thing. And now they're like, oh, yeah, he do got five. Like uh, DK Metcalf said after his game the other day, he said, hey, he got more touchdowns than me. And uh, I think the, I think doing it on Thanksgiving Day is why he'll be all pro. And now why well, he got a real crack at defensive player of the year because it's just such a phenomenal thing. doesn't even matter if he's the best player. The fact that you have set an NFL record and it's such a, such a hard thing to do, I could see him getting defensive player of the year. Yeah, man, it's amazing. You almost want to play that highlight twice because it was it was it was such a great play and a great call on the national stage. Yep, I, I know it's a little premature, but I can't wait to, to see what happens next year with, if we get Diggs back healthy. And like I said, I was gonna say, you know, he throw? tore that he tore that knee up, so I'm not expecting the yeah. Diggs that we know next year. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think it'll be two years before we get him back. Uh, but that's I think they'll take a corner first or second round next year, um, and then uh, we'll keep it moving. But uh, we appreciate you listening. Uh, that was four plays that shaped the game, brought to you this week by Smokey John's Barbecue, eighteen twenty Mockingbird. Uh, we're gonna get Joe Jam Session Bowl sometime soon, maybe this week, man. Maybe this week. And here's why. Before you start all that high side, man, because I see it in your eyes right I, now. I ain't saying nothing. I see it in your eyes, man. I see it. We gonna get it might Joe, be this we week. Gonna, we going to get it, Joe the, the, the jam session bowl. We gonna, man, it's a whole lot of it, things you need to get Joe like that. It might, it, might happen this, it might happen this week, man, because Cowboys play on Thursday. So instead of having to go out to the star on Thursday or Wednesday, Wednesday will be like a Friday, so I won't have to do that. So we might, I might roll through that. I might roll through there on uh, Friday, on Wednesday or Tuesday, and tell you to meet me somewhere, and uh, and let's see if we can make it happen, get it done. That's I'm, all I'm, I'm saying. I'm man. sorry. Did you say something? You oh, know what, man? Bad. That's, yeah. that's professional messing up my commercial like this. So the jam session bowl when Big Joe gets it, it'll either have a mac and cheese or a mashed potato base, and then it'll have. Uh, your choice out of two out of five smoked meats. I think he wants to go with the double brisket. I'm, I'm down with that. And then all the stuff he put on the loaded baked potato, bacon bits, cheese, sour cream, chives, all that good stuff, butter. Uh, they put it all on there, and then they either drench it with sauce or they drizzle it with sauce. It's up to you, Whatever, however you get down. That's how they, that's how they do it. And then, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's enough for two people easy. If you got a little shorty, five or six. Three y'all can eat off of it. It is to live for. It is a mouthful of greatness and goodness and tenderness and just pure deliciousness. Okay? It really is. So that's the Jam Session Bowl. Uh, if you want some Smokey Johns and you can't wait for the Jam Session Bowl, hey, you can order it online at uh, SmokeyJohns.com. Go to the marketplace. Click on it. You can get the rub. You can get the sauce delivered to your house. If you need it immediately, you can go to HEB around Dallas-Fort Worth, Burleson, Wasatchee. Uh, McKinney and pick it up on the shelves at HEB so give them a uh, give it a try it's all delicious the restaurant is fantastic closed on uh, Sundays so uh, we appreciate you listening make sure you uh, rate review subscribe we need all of that and uh, until we talk again you guys be blessed